Hello, welcome to our AP World History Modern Podcast by students for students. We are taking AP World History Modern during the 2021 to the 2022 school year. We actually bargained with Mr. Tweary to get that little trumpet noise at the beginning just to mark that this episode is going to be the best. Be the best. All right. All right. So, hello. My name is Federico Tomas Romero. I am also part of the 20, 2021 to 2022 AP World History Modern class. Um, besides that, I'm an aspiring um, billionaire. It's a little thing that I have going on on the side, you know. I'll get there maybe one day, maybe not. It's something I hope for. Um, some of the things that I enjoy doing um, are reading, playing video games, and talking with my friends. Hello, my name is Clement Haddad. I'm a 2022 AP World History Modern student and an inspiring entrepreneur and coding developer. I enjoy playing video games, hanging out with my friends, and creating entrepreneurial ideas for the future. All right, so we're going to look at 9.6 and how globalization changed culture over time. So pretty much uh, it's from 1900 to the present, and it's kind, of, it's kind of built around the spice tea themes, cultural and social. Uh, so 9.6 helps explain how globalization changed the world through spreading culture and creating a blend of culture never before seen in the world. All right, so let's get into it. Um, our first segment is going to be social. Uh, um, the social part of globalization uh, from the 1900s to the present era. Um, one of the things that is, um, is international organizations and collaborations that will bring citizens closer together. They will be the first to look for a large-scale way to remove poverty from the world. Unfortunately, that's a bigger issue than the international organizations and originally thought. Poverty is a big issue. Even in the most developed countries, it's, it's an issue. In America, we have a lot of poverty, homelessness. You go to New York, there's a lot of... New York, yeah. It's Chicago. Chicago, the, um, California, LA, you know? Yeah. Oh, LA is in, in Nevada. But <laughs> you get, these major cities usually have big... Um, Big poverty um, problems, um, but these organizations were slightly successful as the introduction of new technologies and new social standards were able to resist poverty in many developing countries. Um, organizations such as the World Bank and the World Health Organization were were able to bring about new ways of life by giving less developed countries loans. In facilitating the healing and protection of war-torn countries, so I guess this will also be the kind of like the UN too, mm-hmm. you know. Um, also, another thing that's going on in in so in in the social aspect is um, science is changing the way that we perceive the world, um, the way that we perceive humans as itself. We can see um this as Albert Einstein as he was able to further push our understanding of the universe and how it works with his um, his studies in, in, in physics. And we can see this also with Sigmund Freud and his 
thoughts about human psychology. As more scientific ideas and thoughts were introduced into the world, lobbying for minorities and women rights further introduced new ideas and opinions in the world. This is like Black Lives Matter, more feminism movements going on, uh, which are really big in America um, and across the world too. Um, the overall arcing like conclusion thing is that international organizations help bring new ways of life. Scientists created new lines of thinking about physics, psychology, that change your aspect of the world. Minorities and women's rights became more lobbied and prevalent, expanding new opinions in the world. All right, so with that, we're kind of <clears throat> going to move into pop culture, too. And we see the spice tea theme here, culture. And it's kind of intermixed with all of these things like anime, memes, video games, Bollywood, YouTube, and K-pop, which kind of what's interesting about those is they kind of like breach borders. If somebody makes a K-pop show in Korea and it reaches many different countries, that's because of globalization. And we see that in a lot of artistic aspects too, with Kanye West, the emergence of popular culture and music. We see NFTs, cubism and art, and we see uh, music, Bob Marley, the, like, the emergence of reggae music from black culture. And we see kind of fashion trends, along with Kanye West even, how he became a billionaire through his Yeezy clothing brand. And I don't know, it's very interesting as Kanye is, is like now a billionaire and just from, from his fashion brand that was able to kind of break boundaries and stretch through many different countries, even though it was just produced in America. All right. Yeah, that is very true. Um, Moving on, um, part of this pop culture that now arises from from globalization, from the connectedness of the world, um, is entertainment. Entertainment has a big part in pop culture. Um, movies, video games, television, social media play a huge role in pop culture and around the world. Um, you know, we think about American pop culture, we think about maybe Star Wars, Back to the Future, um, video games, but every country in itself has a pop culture like circle that it has no, its own little thing going on, but it also adapts from other countries. So video games like Nintendo, Capcom, Bandai, Sega, these are Japanese video game companies making games in Japan and they're spread around the world. Mario Kart is a great example, I think, because who doesn't know Mario Kart, you know? You settle disputes on it, you know? Sitting with the boys playing Mario Kart right. like 3 a.m. It's, it's, it's the best. It's the best, you know? Um, Activision, you know, it's an American company. It's very popular. Ubisoft, which is French. I didn't know that until now. It's kind of weird, but it's, it's good to know, I guess. So video games like Super Mario, Resident Evil, Minecraft, Call of Duty, um, now Valorant are huge and they're growing. This also leads to the creation of eSport gaming, which brings players from across the world, from all parts together to play in these tournaments. 
and they get money, so it, it also affects them economically. With television and movies, we see these changes in, for example, like the rise of Bollywood, um, which are in, in like Indian musicals, musical numbers. And as of now, they're becoming more popular outside of India. Um, now, now we see a lot of like entertainment from Asia coming out, like K-dramas and like Squid Games. You know, a while back, it was huge. It, it made numbers. It, it, it was amazing. Like I've, a lot of good stuff came out of it. And I think the world in general did a good job at giving it praise, giving it its credit. Another thing about pop culture is soccer. We see soccer be a big part of like European culture, you know. Like Europe is very well devoted into soccer, you know. Latin America especially, you know. I'm Mexican. Soccer has been a big part of my fan of like my family, my culture growing up. I will watch matches, you know. And you know, after after church on a Sunday if they had a game on, me and my dad, you know. No, we're, we're, we're in the living room. We're watching. We're cheering. I cried once when I saw Mexico lose, which is like they lose every time. But you know what? They're, it's the team I chose. It's the team that I will support. Um, another thing that's really huge, um, even in Latin America, is anime. Now, anime was introduced to Americans through various movies and shows in the 1980s. An example of this is Akira. And it's a movie that it made revolutionary moves. It changed um, the way that anime was productive. It they made new colors just for this movie. Um, you'll see in the 90s the emergence of Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon. Dragon Ball Z being huge in Latin America and Pokemon being well known across the world. I mean, you know, third grade at recess, we were or at least for the most part, I know that I was training Pokemon cards with my friends. I was always looking for that for that Charizard, you know? Hustling. I was mm. hustling, you know? I, I got to the point that we were starting, like, I was like, some of these kids were making, like, legitimate money from selling Pokemon cards. That's just how, it was like a whole stock market at this point, you know? That's crazy. It's amazing. Um, another thing is YouTube. YouTube, it, uh, now looking at it, YouTube is kind of like Google in a way, because you type something in, like, all right, let's like how to tie a tie, right? It's there. There's like 200 videos showing you how to tie a tie in different ways, how to make a paper bird. It's right there, you know. But also the news. You see news from China, news from Japan, news from India, Britain, um, from Africa, from all over the world on YouTube now, and along with social media, it, it connects the world, it connects people. An example of this is the Ukraine invasion right now going on. It was huge. Like everyone, like social media, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, somehow, uh, Facebook, uh, what else? Reddit, but they were all into it, you know? And everyone got pretty well, well into this whole Russian Ukraine conflict, and um, overall, this is a great example of how globalization, how social media plays into globalization and the connectedness of the, of the world. Uh, another, now going back to entertainment, 
um, is um, American television. All right. I'm starting off with this because, for one, America, in a way, has a big role in the politics and the and yeah, in the politics of the world and social movements, you know. So American television obviously has something to do with it. Television and cinema, The Walking Dead, being pretty popular from what I know outside of America. For example, in Japan, Game of Thrones being popular. It was great until that last season. I swear it, it was. It fell off. The MCU being like massively huge, changing numbers. Um, with Infinity War and Endgame just pushing the limits on, on movies and how they can sell. Um, with this, we also see its like counterpart, Bollywood. Um, now I'm gonna. It's also like it's. Um, it's. You know, as now it's growing, expanding Indian culture. Um, but from this, from all of this, we also see American culture being appropriated into other countries. Um, the Americanization of other cultures or of people around the world. Um, it's essentially Americanization is when people begin to learn about the United States, then Americans learn about the world. Here, I guess from this, we get the American tourist stereotype where they're kind of naive and ignorant and uh, as to where they are. They don't know much about the world. Um, right now, there's a stereotype that we don't know geography, <laughs> which I cannot disapprove. I suck at geography. Me too, bro. It's Yeah, I, I don't even want to talk about uh, that. No, it's <laughs> right. Um, and this also leads to the spread of English. Um, British colonization and Americanization spread English throughout the world. And this makes um, and the English language, amazingly, it, it grows massively in India. India has a large amount of Indian speak of Indian, of English speakers. This leads to big companies moving their call centers to India, where the majority could speak English for a low, low wage. Um, and that's all I have for pop culture. Um, not going on with Clement. Yeah, so I feel like it kind of ties into you know consumer culture and like economics, like dollars in like hours, and that's crazy. That's literally insane because Elon Musk he's sitting at his desk in like I don't know Los Angeles or wherever he lives. Right, he's sitting there. And he just presses the tweet button and people in Asia and Africa and, and Europe and America see this and are like, oh, wow, I need to invest in Bitcoin, right? So we see that kind of interesting trade of culture. And we also see that with NFTs, which are kind of like an economic trend that's been started online and have grown immensely in the past few years where you it's kind of weird because the investment of cryptocurrency into digital art has become a very popular event and many people don't know what cryptocurrency and digital art is or nfts even which now they're being very equated to it as everybody's talking about the economic hype and how they might stay around for a little while. And there's a huge community building around NFTs. Although you have to ask the question, is it actually 
destructive for the environment. Because as we see a lot of NFTs having big like blockchain sales, they also consume a lot of energy where there's this French artist named Le Mercier who dropped six NFTs, right? They sold out in 10 seconds for thousands of dollars. That's insane. If you think about it, many countries seeing this NFT get sold out in 10 seconds, but the sale also consumed 8.7 megawatt hours of energy, which is crazy because megawatt hours is a lot of energy. Like that's pretty much NFTs are essentially every year they, they use as much energy as a small country, which is crazy. Just this little, this little thing called an NFT, right? Digital art. It sells and, and creates this huge, like kind of destructive impact on the environment, which I feel like is kind of interesting to talk about with economics and almost the spice tea theme of interactions with the environment. And I feel like globalization is very intertwined with that. Hmm. All right, so this is obviously very good. Um, megawatts is uh, a measurement of energy used to determine how much energy a um, energy um what is it called? Man, I forget. It, it, it megawatts were used to measure the output of a energy plant, how much energy they're producing. So it's obviously huge. Um, moving on, um, we're moving on to like consumer culture. Well, we are in consumer culture, but we're going on into like Nike, Rolex, Apple, Tesla, Toyota, Mercedes Benz, Yeezy. They <clears throat> are part of this consumer culture, which have led to the creation of like an international social hierarchy for the general population. Um, essentially, it's like one could say like, oh, like if you have Yeezys, you know, you know that person is like rich, you know, you know they're they're balling, you know they're yeah. they're they're flexing obviously, you know, but this affects the social population, you know, because we've built this social hierarchy in a sense that the more wealth you have, the more you have to spend. Um, <clears throat> but it's not all bad, because your consumer culture. We also have online shopping like Amazon, um, AliExpress ebay you know there's huge companies that make it very accessible for us to buy products across the world and to get them in a short amount of time um, also services like doordash and grubhub play a huge now play, they now play a huge role in consumer culture because now you can order food and you receive it and hopefully in a short amount of time and I think with this, something that's cool too, or maybe not cool, I feel like there's kind of something interesting with consumer culture, you know, like rappers, you know, yeah. Lil Pump, um, like Gunna, all, the, all these like big names, right? They'll walk around like flexing chains and like all this like fancy brands and stuff, which I feel like is interesting because then you you do see that there really is kind of a social hierarchy, like if you have this Louis V chain, like you're, you're way cooler than everybody else and stuff like that, you know, that makes consumer culture very prevalent. And I think with that, 
we should kind of transition into political a little bit because the spice tea theme political is kind of a little bit prevalent in 9.6 culture exchange and a lot of things like imperialism and decolonization that kind of lead to competition between nations and world wars and the cold war even kind of divided the world into political factions which would kind of also give rise to international organizations like NAFTA and the World Bank that we talked about earlier, but kind of it, it, would, it would bring these to prevalence. And also with this, we see kind of social media global censorship in countries because social media has largely increased global access to information. But many governments, for example, China, Russia, and, you know, Korea, would largely try to, to, to cut off access to information, especially in posts that were slanderous to the government or contain secret information. As an example, uh, the Taiping Square in China, there was a huge massacre that happened there, and China oh. has kind of covered it up with censorship for years. Oh, the, um, the, it's the Tiananmen Square protest. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Tiananmen Square, yeah. Yes. Which is... It's kind of interesting because they'll like just cut, you know, information about that, which I, I feel like is kind of interesting. And I feel like political also kind of ties in like breakthroughs in science and women's and minorities rights. And it kind of like, it kind of shows how globalization can connect, but also kind of divide. And I think that also kind of leads us to our wrap up of the unit because all of these themes, but we kind of need to answer the bigger questions. So the big question is explain how and why globalization changed culture over time. I feel like globalization largely changed culture by introducing new ideas and blending cultures over country borders and kind of, you know, spreading culture even through small things like social media. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, it is true. Um, now we have access to information, to more information than ever before possible. It's not. It's all that information necessarily good. No, not really. I mean, there's obviously some bad stuff on the internet, but there's also some good stuff, like like pictures of cats and dogs. Pictures of cats always got to tie back to that. You know, that's remember remember where we came from. Yeah, where it all started from. Um, so overall, the conclusion is that globalization influenced the world by creating new ideas and changing the cultural, social, economical, and political norms of the world. Globalization largely changed the cultural norms of the world by introducing new ideas that would spread opinions through borders and influence the coming years. If all is going, if all is going according to plan, you are probably hearing this at the near end of AP. You know, you're probably about to take your AP test in a couple weeks. Um, first of all, congratulations on getting this far. Um, you didn't quit. You stood. You 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 fought. You stood your ground. Congratulations. You know, we're seasoned. You know, we 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 went through it. We we took the AP test. So as that, I feel like we should give you some 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 advice. 
All right. So practice going over your SEQs, your LEQs, the DBQ rubrics. All right. Don't overwork yourself and um, just do your notes and review. And in my opinion, AP doesn't have a skill floor or a certain amount of IQ you need to do well in the class. Overall, you just have to work hard and dedicate an amount of time to study. And honestly, you'll be per perfectly fine on the test. Assuming you're reviewing for the AP test, I would largely recommend checking out Heimler's history videos and going through your notes. Keep cool and keep studying and you're going to do great. Me and Big Fed, we're out here. You already know. You're right. We, oh, man. We, we still have to do the credits. Oh, that's All tough. right. Real quick. All right. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The following sources were utilized for this episode. All right. Information provided publicly by the College Board for the AP World History Modern Course Curriculum. The NASDAQ, NASDAQ.com, the 9.6 AMSCO text, 9.6 Heimler's History, and the Wired. Wired.com. Wired.com. Yes, All right. Sir. You already know. That's it. Um, we thank you, and thank you for listening to our AP World History Modern Podcast by students, for students, special luck in class, and on your exam.